Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. That was the voice of our beloved Marty Oakley, who passed on May the 1st. She was and will always be the backbone of these programs, so we honor her as a friend, warrior, and amazing advocate. It is said that when a person dies, a library burns to the ground, and so it was with the loss of Marty. Rest in peace, Marty. Good evening. I'm Marcia Joyner, and this is Betrayed by Hospice, where we talk about advocating for the elderly and disabled and provide information on how you can better protect yourself and loved ones now and in the future. This program is sponsored by National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administration Abuse, Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower's Life, and Shenanigans in Pennsylvania. Toward the end of the program, I will provide resources and tell you what you can do to help change laws governing our elderly and their care. Archbishop Fulton Sheen said it best, the refusal to take sides on great moral issues is in itself a decision. It is a silent acquiescence to evil. The tragedy of our time is those who still believe in honesty lack fire and conviction, while those who believe in dishonesty are full of passionate conviction. Which will you be? During the program, if you want to make a comment or ask a question, select one on your phone and you will be put into a queue to speak. If you're listening via the Internet and you want to speak, call in 917-388-388. 2450 and select one. You will not hear an operator tell you that you're in a queue. Um, Somebody had a problem last week with that. Um, You just select one and then I will see that you're in the queue. The news today in my area focused on the bad air quality from the wild winds and they warned about protecting the most vulnerable people, the young, the elderly, and those that had compromised systems. And it made me think how ironic that is. No one is talking about the fact that people are dying hourly from drugs, legal or illegal, the fact that we have agencies that euthanize people for a living under the guise of hospice care. Why isn't anybody talking about that? Isn't that important? That, to me, was food for thought. But back to tonight's program. Have you ever been sitting in your doctor's waiting room when someone in a suit walks in with a briefcase and is ushered back to see the doctor while you patiently or impatiently wait past your appointment time? Why did he or she get to cut the line? I didn't see them sign in. They didn't look sick. Who are they? What are they doing? Uh, They are big pharma reps. And he or she is there to offer a sweet deal to the doctor to prescribe this new drug that they're giving samples out, more than likely. And there's more in it for him if he prescribes this drug. Many doctors are being bought, and pharma industry gets away with giving gifts. You ever hear of pay-to-play? The doctor prescribes medications to resolve a medical issue, and oftentimes the drug that they give you causes other symptoms that cause you to go back to the doctor for more medicine to counteract that med. It's a vicious cycle, and before you know it, you're on 10, 15, or more drugs daily. 
I need a pill to go to sleep. I need one to wake up. I need one to give me energy. I'm depressed. My child won't settle down. My stomach hurts. You see what I'm talking about. There seems to be a pill for whatever ails you, supposedly, and another one to counteract what that one does. My neighbor was taking 18 separate pills, and several of them caused dizziness, fatigue, irritability, and possible falls. But who cared? Not the doctors. They didn't even remove this or discuss it once she told them what her symptoms were. Sadly, my friend had received chemo and radiation, and she passed on May the 15th. They certainly received a lot of money for her care over the past year, but now she is gone. Rest in peace, Louise. We see warnings on medications all the time on TV commercials and probably just ignore them or just fast forward. And how many of us read the pamphlet that comes with the prescription? How many actually research the drug before taking it? I dare say not many. Been guilty of it myself until I started learning the hard facts of what's going on. How many of these drugs cause issues when you take them together? Who's monitoring the fact that several different doctors are prescribing different pills for different issues? After my mom was murdered by hospice, um, that will be six years this month, a very sensitive topic for me. But my dad came to live with my husband and me, and we were surprised to find out his heart doctor had prescribed antidepressants. So I asked him if he was depressed, and he said no. And I said, did you ever tell your doctor you were? No. He had no idea why he was on them or that he even was. He just took whatever she prescribed. So I weaned him off of them. He also was given Eliquis, which is a blood thinner. Um, his doctor, in the, where he was from, told him he had diabetes and Crohn's, so he had pills for that. And once I got him up here with us, I took him to the doctor, and he said he isn't diabetic, he doesn't have Crohn's, so we stopped those pills. He wound up having blood in his stool, and I took him to a gastroenterologist, and he took him off of Eliquis, and I said, but his heart doctor put him on. And he said, yeah, but you're here with, with me because he's got blood in his stool. Take him off of it. How are we supposed to know who is right? We need to understand the short and the long-term effects all drugs. The information is available, but because the man in the white suit, um, our doctor, told us to take it, then that's only what's best for us, right? Uh, not necessarily. Knowledge is power. Please take advantage of that. I want to draw your attention to a website that will help you understand why we are saying tonight's program is about our society is being drugged to death. I'd like for all of you to look this site up, go in there, and by minute, five minutes, you will see these numbers change. The website is altogether pharmadeathclock.com, and it shows the total deaths by cause since January the 1st of 2000. Would it surprise you to know that the number one cause of death listed is chemotherapy? 23,445,757 as of 6 p.m. this evening. The number changes by the minute. 
And I'm not advocating that you don't take chemo or radiation because I'm not a doctor, but I am giving you information for thought and for you to do some research. As you know, chemo uses drugs to kill cancer cells, but in the process, it kills good cells. Out of 45 of the categories listed at pharmadeathclock.com, 18 of them are, are for the drugs that people are being given. The second one is, and I'm not going to go over all of them, but the second one is iatrogenic deaths. That's 18,379,975, and this is relating to illnesses caused by a medical examination or treatment, which is the drugs may cause side effects that lead to death. Um, Other ones are adverse drug reactions, SSRIs, prescription drugs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, opioids, benzodiazepines, antidepressant overdoses, anti-epileptic, systematic and hematological, antipsychotic, respiratory, cardiovascular, barbiturates, um, and the list goes on. Eighteen of those deaths are caused by drugs. And it's not just about the short-term effect, it's the long-term effect, too. We have a lot of drugs that we want to go over tonight, a lot of information that Sarah has put together, so I'm going to move on. Tonight, my guest is Sarah Burns, and I'm happy to have her with me. She's been on the program a few years ago sharing the tragic story about how her dad was murdered by hospice and the toxic drug cocktail that they gave him. So she's witnessed firsthand hospice euthanasia. But tonight I've asked Sarah to share with us her wealth of knowledge about prescription drugs and how we as a society are literally being drugged to death because we follow what the man in the white suit says. Sarah is a former nurse and received a master's degree in social work and a year later developed the Center for Sacred Transformations where she offered coaching and energy healing She taught Reiki and energy healing in two 15-week programs. In 2014, she trained with Amon Clinic and became certified as a brain health coach. She continued her training in 2022, where she trained with Dr. George Eady, a Harvard-trained psychiatrist in nutrition for psychiatric disorders. And this year, she trained with Society of Metabolic Health which emphasizes evidence-based keto diet for metabolic health. Sarah believes that true healing comes from honoring the body, mind, and spirit, and as you can see, she continues to further her education to stay on top of what is happening. So what better person to come on and share her knowledge and experience with us? She has two websites, brain-healthcoaching.com, and altogether, Center for Sacred Transformations.org. So let's get started and join me in welcoming Sarah to our program this evening. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on. And I know you and I have talked quite a bit, yeah. Um, yeah. several times for a long period. But I want to let you get started and talk about how you got into it and, you know, first start a little bit about your dad because I know he was on a lot of medications. Mm -hmm. So, 
You got it. So are you there, Marcia? I am here. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, my phone just rang, of course. (laughs) Um, Oh, lovely. Yeah, isn't it? And I think it was a hospital calling for me to do their survey because I just saw the doctor the other day, (laughs) and I'm sure that's what Uh, it was. Yeah. Um, They can wait. Yes, they can. Um, So many years ago, I actually was a nurse, and I, for a while, I actually worked in a nursing home, and my job was to pass out meds, and I think I was all of uh, 26 at the time. And I can remember um, having to spend, like, several hours passing out these meds, And many of the patients there, I was having to grind the pills, um, mash them up, put them in applesauce, and they were like zombies. And so it wasn't as if, it wasn't, sorry, the doorbell just rang too. Hold on. That's odd, isn't it? I'm so sorry. Nobody rings. When it rains, it pours. I'm sure our audience understands that. Okay. So. Okay. Come on, guys. It's the way it goes, isn't it? When you're looking for Well, you live in a real life, right? And people yeah. understand that. Okay. So, um, anyway, so my first, I remember doing that, um, passing out all those meds. And I remember saying, you know, all these people really need is prune juice in the morning and wine with their meals. So, so um, that was my kind of the first indications for me that they're just getting way too many medications. But um, anyway, I didn't really, I left nursing and then I uh, became a social worker. And then I set up my business, uh, Sacred Transformations. And at the start of COVID, just very quickly, um, my dad actually um, was for about six months before the COVID thing, he was complaining about being abused. And nobody was paying attention. My mom was trying to get help from my sister and... Um, she didn't, she didn't offer any. And so when COVID came around, there would be Skype calls. And I had noticed that, um, when we were talking that my dad's arms were bruised and there was bruising wrapped around his wrist and he was frantic. He was not himself. He usually had a very calm spirit and was very likable by everyone, but he was, and he was actually right. He said they were going to kill him, and they did. Um, But everybody just assumed he had just gone off his rocker and he was hallucinating. But with the bruising and, you know, I learned from when I was working in a nursing home as well as a social worker, even if something sounds a little out there, there's a grain grain of truth in it somewhere. And so 
I did report it um, to the state to go in and um, to see what was going on. And they claimed that um, it was inconclusive that he was being abused. I don't know how they could have made that inconclusive personally. But anyway, um, immediately after that investigation, they placed him in hospice. And they claimed at the time the reason they were placing him in hospice was because um, that way my mom could go visit him and bypass uh, COVID policy for the facility. But what they didn't tell me, and neither did my sister, who was well aware of this, they immediately placed him on um, morphine and lorazepam. And sadly, he died um, about three and a half weeks later. And I had one other conversation with him, and uh, he didn't even know who I was, whereas before, he knew who all of us were. And I asked my sister before he died if they had um, started him on any medications, and she said no. So... Um, I knew something was wrong with the whole situation, and it took me months, but I got his medical record, and what I discovered, um, amongst other things, I'm just going to focus on the uh, medication part of it, but um, it, it was really interesting, some of the comments in the chart that had been made, but um, what I noticed about his record is that he was on uh, 15 different medications. And when I began reviewing him, what I noticed, first of all, he had been placed six months prior on two new medications, one of them Tramadol, and the other one was called Xanaflex. And he was taking Lexapro. I I don't have the dosage he was on at this point um, in front of me today, but Basically, um, what I came to discover is that those medications, along with um, several others that he was on, five of them altogether cause what's known as serotonin syndrome. And serotonin syndrome um, is basically when you start becoming agitated, uh, irritable, paranoid, confused, hallucinating, and you can end up having seizures with it and dying. Um, The notes in this chart, what I found really appalling about that is that when my dad started becoming more agitated, an LPN, which is what my title was also, called the medical director and asked if they could increase his Lexapro. And so over the phone, this doctor increased it. No psyche valve, just an increase in it. A few days later, a psychiatrist came in to examine my dad. And I'm going to put quotes around the word examine because she did not review any of his medication whatsoever. Her comments in the chart was that he's old, 
and diminish. And all we can do at this point is give him comfort. And when I read that, I just cried because he was being tormented with, um, with all of these concerns of his and nobody was listening. The comfort right. would have been had they would have removed many of those meds and he would have leveled out to be who he was again. And that just put me on this path. I was completely disheartened when I, when I saw that that was what her evaluation was. So the other thing that came up for me in the past year that's kind of put me on this path is that after my dad's death, my mom ended up um, cycling down because she was grieving over his death. And before he died, I had attended their 65th wedding anniversary, and my sister came in yelling at my mom because she wasn't taking her meds every day. And again, it was one of these things where she was on about 14 medications, and I actually remember writing her doctor in St. Louis, I'm in San Diego, and asking him to review those to see how many of them could be removed because she was starting to become a little uh, ditzy there, basically. He refused to remove any of them, any of them. And so in the meantime, she was spiraling down after his death. She was in isolation because of COVID. My sister was not visiting her. I have a brother there, too. He would drop off groceries, stay five minutes, and leave. And so... Um, ironically, on their 66th wedding anniversary, my dad had died. But ironically, on that anniversary date, she had to go in for emergency surgery for a pacemaker. And I knew it was from a broken heart. And here it was on the same date of her, what would have been her 66th anniversary. Yeah. So... Um, I actually um, flew out, and Marcia, you kind of gave me that incentive to do, and I dropped everything, and I did, and I'm glad that I did, Um, and I brought her back here to San Diego with me, and I took her to several other doctors, and we had some issues um, because of the COVID isolation and her grief and having to move across the country. You know, she was dealing with a number of psych issues, but she was also uh, on a ton of medications. And one of the things she was um, being treated for was diabetes. And I really didn't make any serious changes in her diet. Um, There were a few things I tweaked with her diet. But she just was not eating well on her own. And and so I had a neighbor one time make a whole thing of fudge, and she ate the whole thing for breakfast. So I had to, like, yeah, the whole thing. It was really awful. But anyway, um, in time, I actually got her down to four of her meds, and we were actually, I was tapering getting her tapered off 
of her antidepressants. But in that process, I wasn't intending to do anything about her diabetes meds, but just some simple tweaks in her diet, her glucose and her A1C returned to normal. And I was really surprised by that. It did change again, though, when she started going into adult daycare um, because she was she would walk in the door and they would just hand her a cup of hot chocolate. And she was coming home with little candy bars and candy in her pockets. Girls were very heavy set. And even though it was a overall positive for her to be there, um, some of the things that they were doing with her diet put her back on the medications, again, for diabetes. Um, so the other issue I was having with her is my mom was a bit of a hypochondriac. And she always complained of the shoulder pain, but it wasn't significant enough to actually have her on a serious pain medication. So what I would give her for that at night was um, either magnesium oil, or here in California it's legal to do CBD, but it was the topical one that I would put on, and that always scored the pain. Both of them were topical meds. They weren't going in her system. They weren't messing with her brain, um, you know, and so that really worked. But um, right before Christmas in um, 2021, she fell one night, and she ended up going, little I called the ambulance for her, and I didn't really believe that there was anything wrong because she landed on her knees, but she really wanted to go. I'm like, fine, I'm going to call the ambulance. And, of course, they didn't find anything, but then about an hour or two later before she was coming home, she developed a fever, and they discovered that she had sepsis. So um, she was in there for quite a while, uh, probably another week to 10 days, and I was going to do her IVs for her, bring her home and do IVs around the clock. And it was kind of grueling. But when I got her home, within two days, I realized there's no way I can do this because um, they had started to give her tramadol. And she was still on her uh, Lexapro, her Lexapro, or was it Deloxetine? And the And so she was starting to have serious psych issues, serious enough to where she actually even took a pair of scissors at me. (laughs) And so that's pretty serious. Serious. um, But she immediately apologized after she did it. So it wasn't as if she's intentionally trying to do this stuff. You know, Um, I noticed her behavior changed. We got her really level. We did have some psych issues before, but she was happy, together. Um, You know, she was doing life well until this hospitalization. But um, I, so they started prescribing her tramadol for the shoulder pain. Nobody bothered to call me to see if that was even something that was needed. 
if she'd had a history with the shoulder pain, nothing. And so that tramadol, along with it was deloxetine, pushed her over an edge that caused her to be psychotic. And so I had to put her, uh, and she started getting uh, chest pains too, which was the thing that got me back to get her back to the hospital. And um, so they finally, they eventually placed her in a rehab. And um, unfortunately, she was only going to be on those meds for three weeks. And um, I could not visit her there. But she was calling me every day, begging to come home. She was cold, miserable. And um, they were all using one phone at the, at the uh, main desk. And no one called to tell me that my mom had gotten pneumonia. And be, because of that stay there, um, her legs became swollen. She was wheelchair-bound when she wasn't before. She was on oxygen, but it was later discovered that they weren't giving her enough oxygen. Um, her oxygen saturation levels were in the 70s, and they aren't supposed to be below 93, I believe. And um, I got her transported to another facility. She was there one hour, and they said she was beyond their care. They, that facility put her back in the hospital, and... Um, she died a week later, and I was trying to get her home to die at home so she could be with her right. dog, but we never get her oxygen to a level where she could come home and be on oxygen. So, yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, and that actually is a lawsuit. Uh, I actually had attorneys jumping for that, um, but the whole thing that I keep saying this even to the attorneys. I said, yes, the uh, rehab center gave her poor care. But, the t but what really started this was the doctor prescribing her with tramadol without asking if it was necessary to address her pain. And, um, and that's what people don't understand. Like I was talking earlier about uh, my neighbor that was on 18 different meds. Uh, tramadol mm -hmm. was one of the ones that she was on also. Mm -hmm. And it does. It has so many side effects and people just think, uh, you know, if a doctor prescribes it for you, well, you know, I'm supposed to take this. This is, you know, right. they gave this to me because I'm supposed to take it. And we don't question that. I do now. Right. I question everything. But until you wind up with a situation where you realize um, gabapentin is another one that a friend of mine, well, first off, my mom, when she took it and she was taking Vicodin and gabapentin, mm -hmm. and she went psychotic on me too. And mm -hmm. she wound up in the hospital for like a, um, a month. And, mm -hmm. you know, then we had to send her to rehab. And another friend of mine was, her mom was taking gabapentin, and she called her up, and she was lost. She has lived in this area her entire life, and she got lost. And she called her daughter up, and she goes, I don't know where I am. I've run out of gas. She just kept driving, and her daughter had to go find her based on what she said, what she saw, 
and mm-hmm. you know she was driving all around town trying to find her. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize yeah. when you take that that there are big risks, you know, for right. that. Uh, you don't know how you can handle it, and the farther you sure. go, like you know, you take it for a week or you take it for two weeks, it can. It, it lays on top of each other, right? And it just gets more and more in your system, well, and people what, have no clue. Right. I think what happens is people just assume that elderly people get diminished, and they assume that there's no reason other than just old age. And a lot of times these conditions um, usually have to do with the medications that they're on, or it can even be diet, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a, in a minute. But um, so my mom with the Lexapro, I, I mean the Deloxetine and the Tramadol, that can cause just those two together, serotonin syndrome. And my mom was exhibiting those. In fact, they they really highly recommend that doctors do not prescribe Tramadol to people over 65 years of age. And Mm -hmm. yet it seems to be a standard that many doctors prescribe to the elderly um, for pain. That's that's one of their first go-tos sometimes. Instead of trying to see if there could be like, um, oh, what's the one that, I have one, I forget the name of it, but it's basically a topical, Volterran? I forget the name. Vol- uh, Voltaren? Vol- yeah, Voltaren. You know, Voltaren, that's the yes. one. Yeah, that's just... Or, or maybe you give them Tylenol. Right. you give them Tylenol with a little bit of codeine in it. You know? Topical for... Usually you're going to resolve those problems. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, um, I've done my research and... There's a term I want everyone to know, and it's called polypharmacy. And polypharmacy is actually um, when you're taking five or more medications, um, and 30%, 36% of the population in the U.S. are actually taking five or four, um, that increases um, the harmful effects of any of what the side effects are for um, for the medication. So this that was determined by what's called the American Geriatric Society, and they actually have a um, site that you can go to with what's called the Beers, and it's B-E-E-R-S criteria where they actually make recommendations about what should be prescribed to people 65 and older. Well, not what it should be, but what they should not be prescribing. And Mm -hmm. I really hope um, that many of you go to that site if you're taking a lot of medications and see if those meds are on there. I will say this, um, the tables that list the meds, I would also recommend, um, you know, if there's one in a category, they, they're in certain categories because they are the generic names for many of these. So you might want to just put it in Google 
um, and just ask what the brand names are for some of these medicines to see if if it's yours or not. Um, right. And Let also, me go back one second. Um, when you're talking about taking pit, the five, if you're taking five pills or more, you know, the danger mm-hmm. of that, we're not talking about vitamins. And, you know, that's yes, another whole thing. Yes, you can take vitamins and you can get too many vitamins in your system. But we're talking well, about prescription no, drugs. No, it's all of them. It's, it also includes the over-the-counter medications as well as supplements. Even vitamins? Yes. And I do want to just, yes. Um, A lot of vitamins, uh, for one thing, a couple of things about vitamins people need to be aware of. Um, For example, um, I think it's B6, where um, it comes out of China and it's made out of tar products. Okay, there's a lot of toxins that are in many of these supplements. And so um, if you are taking supplements, there's a couple of things you need to look for on the label. Um, when, when my clients come in, they will come in and say, oh, yeah, I take this vitamin or that. And I go, where, where did you get your vitamin? Costco. Okay, so first of all, those vitamins are not most likely properly stored. There's, they very well could have been sitting on that shelf uh, for years. In fact, I worked for an acupuncturist who sold supplements, and I was at that office. I didn't work for her, but I rented space from her. And she had the same supplements in there for the two years I was there. They weren't stored properly or not. And so, like, when I'm working with clients, what I do, um, some of them I have stored in my refrigerator, um, and others I just order direct from the company I work with. But the key is when you're looking for supplements, you want to see either one or two of these listed on the label, and one of them is called GMP, and that stands I for see it. good. You see it? Good I'm looking at yes, I'm looking at one of my pills here because I was out of it for vitamin E, and okay. right there on the back it says GMP, and it's got a circle around it. Yeah, also it and says that made means, in USA, and they are because GMP, um, it's a subsidiary of the FDA. And so they, it, and they have very stringent criteria um, for having that placed on there. They, that means that what's actually in there is what's actually in there and that they're stored properly. And um, you mentioned that I uh, trained with the Amen Clinic, and he's a big pusher of many supplements. And... The one thing about his products, they are not GMP approved. And I, his rep was a little upset with me that I wouldn't promote his products. And I said, well, I can't because they're not, they're not GMP approved. And so with that, I don't know if they're going to um, have the right outcome for what it is I'm trying to help them with. 
The other right. one is called USP, and that actually is a little bit more of a, um, a, a stringent testing that they do. And so um, one or two of those labels, if you see that, then you, you are most likely getting a really good product because that means okay. they've had to do a lot of testing um, for that. But as I said earlier, um, you know, with par- polypharmacy, even supplements are included in that. And I know with the clients come to see me, um, if I'm going to start them on supplements, I, I only start them on three basics, and that is um, omegas, and I use a B6 complex and vitamin D3 that's in a liquid form. And those are the only ones that I start with because most uh, mood and brain disorders, just with those three alone, I've actually seen people um, do really well with that. And just with those and me doing the coaching and energy work, I've gotten people off of antidepressants that have been on them for many, many years. Just those three things alone. Well, that's excellent. uh, Yeah. Just getting somebody off of antidepressants. It's hard. Um, And this is the part that I find challenging because you hear Reiki, energy healing, and people go, oh, that's that woo-woo stuff. You know, oh, and I'm actually in, yeah, and I'm in some groups with some psychiatrists, you know, and I tried to explain how it actually works, and I won't go through that here. That's not what this conversation is about. But energies from different organs move in certain directions, and when you understand that, um, many of the symptoms for anti um, when you're coming off antidepressants, can be managed really well. So, like for me, um, when I give those three supplements, I start them, and, of course, I have to tell them legally they need to taper down with a doctor, um, however many of them don't. And um, I, I wait about a week or two for them to start taking the supplements before I start doing any of the other work with them, um, the taper down part. That way their brain is getting some really good nutrients in before we get started. But again, if they're on a lot of medications, um, you know, you have to kind of look at that at first too because all of them go through the liver. And many of the things I'm going to talk about here um, are impacted by our gut, and I'm sure many people have heard that our gut is um, the second brain. I think it's the first brain because what you put in it or what's in there is going to have an impact on on how clear you are mentally. And so, um, and that's the sad part because most medications all of them actually have to go through the liver. And that liver energy really has a huge influence on our brain and how the brain functions. So I'm kind of going off subject here a bit. Um, But I want to get back 
to um, this beers criteria and just kind of give a quick overview, and then I'm going to talk about a few off of the list that I think are pretty common for people in the elderly um, that um, will probably be affected by these the most. And so, um, Marcia, we were talking this morning about Citro, Cipro, and I was kind of surprised when I, so after we talked, I put that in to check on it, and it's in this first category, which is called um, an anti-cholinergic, col- I'm not going to talk right, cholinergic blocks the neurotransmitter of the central nervous system. And Citro, that antibiotic, and I used to work for a urologist, so I know that they would give it for things like chronic uh, UTIs. And UTIs, right. you know, um, in the elderly, that causes confusion and things like that. So here you're giving uh, Cipro for that. And so that's the first category. and Anything that is classified, and let me just spell it because I'm not pronouncing it correctly. It's A-N-T-I-C-H-O-L-O-N-E-R-G-I-C-S. And there are many drugs in that category. Um, Not all of them are listed, I think, in the beers thing, but that that's at the top of their list, and they really advise that if they have those properties, then people um, 65 or older should not be taking them because they can cause damage to the central nervous system. And that well, one of those uh, is the uh, benzodiazepam, right? Yes, and I'm going to get into a okay. few of those. Um, if where to go, I had that. Okay, paper. I want to go back. Since we since we mentioned mm-hmm. the um, the Cipro, I want to go back for a second um, because that is that is one of the drugs that is causing major issues with people's joints. And there, mm-hmm. my sister has a friend who had taken that, uh, like you know, for UTI a couple of weeks, and she's mm-hmm. in a wheelchair, and there is mm-hmm. no hope for her ever getting out of the wheelchair because it affects your muscles and your tendons in your body and is extremely painful. And it is right. happening to, and if Marty was here, Marty could tell you she had experience with Cipro. And it is a fluoroquinolone, fluoroquinolone. Mm-hmm. And that is Cipro, fluoraxin, delafluoraxin, jimifluoraxin, levofluoraxin, and moxofluoraxin. Those are generic mm-hmm. names for it. And it mm-hmm. is an antibiotic that will cause... It's a broad-scope antibiotic, and it will cause serious, serious issues. There is actually um, a website called, um, I believe it's Flora Help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's what it's called, Flora Help. And there are stories, tons of stories there where people are telling what has happened to them by taking these broad-spectrum antibiotics that doctors very easily will write you a prescription for it if 
they want to give you an antibiotic for something. And if you don't know that there are serious dangers about that and you don't read that pamphlet and you don't do your own research, you could be in a wheelchair. Not saying it happens to everybody, but why in the world would you take that risk? Exactly. And there really are, I mean, there's quite a few symptoms with that, and it is in that category, uh, Cipro, um, which is kind of interesting because um, some of the other ones are really, they're, they're, um, well, here's another one, a really common one in that same category, Benadryl. And um, like any kind of benzo, uh, like Valium, you know, those types of medications, lorazepam, they fall into the same category. And so what it can end up um, causing uh, impaired cognitive function, increased risk of um, falls. It can cause dizziness, blurred vision, lack of coordination. Um, it can really mess up even more um, if you're taking other drugs. It can cause psych disorders. It can cause overactive bladder. Um, it can affect the cardiovascular system and, like you said, the muscles. They weaken the muscles. Mm-hmm. So that's quite quite a bit of things. Serious. Yeah. Right. And that's long-term. That, that's not short-term. Um, one of the other ones is Levaquin. Mm-hmm. Levaquin is also the fluoroquinolone, and that's yeah. one that you hear all the time people prescribe in Levaquin. And yeah. what what the listeners need to, you know, we kind of you stated that, but there are generic names for things. Um, right. Like, you know, morphine is also called Roxanol. And that is one of the things with hospice. If people don't know that they interchange those words and you don't know what the generic is for it or what another term is, then you're not alarmed. It's like, well, I haven't, you know, I've never heard of Roxanol. I've heard of morphine. They're the same thing. Right. That's what is important that you understand that just because you don't recognize it and then you say, oh, well, that's not the one that I heard about. You better do your research. Knowledge is power. I cannot say that enough. Exactly. So one suggestion I have with that, if you don't know, and this is a really broad category, there's quite a few medicines that fall into this um, anti cholinergic um, category, you could just go into Google and type in your medication and just ask Google, um, does this have anticholinergic properties to it? And see what comes up. Um, And do that if you're taking medicines that have all these long-term names. But um, a lot of the, um, you know, uh, benzo medications, the anti-anxiety medications, they all have that, those properties. And so, again, if, if you're um, dealing with someone that looks like they're, they have Parkinson's or memory issues, it could be their medication. It could just be simply that. So... Other ones on that list, 
that beer's list is estrogen because it causes cancer. They found um, breast and endometrium cancer. It also can cause um, issues with the heart. Insulin. Many people, as they get older, are placed on insulin, and I'll go through a little bit about that. Um, protein pump inhibitors, um, like Prilosec, um, they do not recommend that you take that after eight weeks because it really messes with the um, microbiome in your gut. And there's a propensity for that to cause uh, C. diff, which is very deadly. Um, I wanted to just say, I talked to you earlier today about my own situation. While I was taking care of my mom, I was under a lot of stress. And I was actually, at, at times, I was vomiting blood, and I didn't understand why. And I went to the doctor, and I had... Um, an endoscopy, and um, they did some other testing, and I they discovered that I had H. pylori. And I actually had been treated for that once before. But um, that's a bacteria in your gut that causes uh, stomach ulcers. But what it also has been linked with is H. Um, is um, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So the thing you have to really be concerned with, if you're taking those, if your doctor hasn't done like a stool sample or an endoscopy or upper, um, you know, I forget the other one they do where they go in, but, um, you know, if they're not testing for that and they just keep you on um, the protein pump inhibitors, then you can end up in crisis with that down the road. And you can end up with Alzheimer's, which is really frightening. And many of the doctors, yeah, you know, they spend 15 minutes with you. And by the way, I, want, I don't want to badmouth every doctor. I've actually had clients as doctors, and I, I remember this one coming in. They have to see over 30 patients in an eight-hour period of time. They're mandated to do that. And this one doctor said to me, she said, I just feel like a cog on a wheel. She didn't even get lunch, you know. And so Mm -hmm. they're being ruled by the insurance companies, you know, the billing departments and all of that. So they can't give really good care themselves anymore. And so um, the the other ones on that list, antihistamines, which I I mentioned Benadryl, Um, aspirin, you know, many cardiologists, they recommend you take aspirin for your heart, but they are now recommending you don't do that because of the bleeding properties. And same with warfarin um, for bleeding because they can also cause uh, cardiovascular accidents. So that's that's their list, but um, I did, since my dad, you know, what I was telling you about my um, mom and dad, and I am a brain health coach, a really big one that I want to focus on 
talking a little bit more about is the antidepressants. Because I do think, just like your dad, Marcia, I think that doctors just automatically uh, prescribe that um, to people. And many of these doctors that are prescribing it are your primary care physician. And so um, I, I know that there are multiple, there's many different types of mood drugs to put people on, and you really have to evaluate them to know what's really going on. I just had a girl, she's coming back again tomorrow, that um, they put her on the wrong things. Because um, as I got to know her, I realized she's got PTSD. She's not just depressed. She's got a history of um, growing up in violence, and that causes PTSD. And her actions do not, um, they put her on Zoloft, which is an SSRI, and that's really the wrong classification for what she's experiencing. And so she is trying to get off of these things right now, and she's getting what's called brain zapping. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But many of these studies um, with the antidepressants, they only spend um, six to eight weeks uh, studying these drugs for short-term effects. And when they started really producing this in the 70s and 80s, it was recommended that these drugs were only to be used up to six months in conjunction with therapy to manage a crisis. And we don't do that. Like I said, I have clients that have been on this since they were kids, um, some 20, 25 years on these meds, and it can be really challenging for them to get off of them. What's ironic about these antidepressants also is that it's being really disputed in the psych community um, if they even work because there's no evidence, there's never been any scientific evidence that shows that serotonin or dopamine are involved in depression. There's no, you can't go into a lab and have your serotonin checked, okay? There, there's, no, there's no concrete thing to determine what antidepressant you should actually be on. It's just a guessing game a lot of times. Well, it, it is, and it's also what I was talking about earlier. When a doctor comes in and they give the doctor, um, a representative, a big pharma rep comes in and they give the doctor Zoloft or Paxil or, you know, whichever one it is, and they give them samples of that, the doctor becomes very used to prescribing that particular brand of yeah. antidepressant. They're not going to be thinking, oh, well, you know, this this one might do better for this person or this might. I mean, like you said, they're seeing, you know, 30, 40 patients a day, and this is their go-to. You know, they go mm-hmm. in, they give somebody Levaquin, and that's what they give them every single time they have a UTI, or if they have poison ivy, they always give this ointment. It's, you know, right. it's, it's familiarization with the drugs, and they're going to oh. give 
Well, they're not pharmacists. Just, they're doctors. Right. Well, let, let me go off a subject just for a minute because I worked for a couple of things. So I worked for a urologist, and I do remember the Cipro drug rat, handsome little young guy, and he would bring us all lunch. And then because of his visits with the lunch, the doctors would start prescribing Cipro. Mm-hmm. One after the other. Same when I was working as a social worker in the hospital. Um, I never had to buy lunch. Never. There was always some kind of rep coming in there with pastries, lunch. And, you know, hospitals are just the most unhealthiest places to live and function in because there's a lot of junk food in there that they're eating all day. And yet they're they're the ones telling you how to live right, you know. And it was just one rep after another, after another, all day long. And so, yes, many of these health decisions are based on what is being sold to them. And that's why at the end I'm going to give another website um, because um, I'll, I'll get there. But doctors do make money off of the drugs at times that they prescribe. Exactly. So back to this, yeah, ask this um, company called Single Care, which I'm not familiar with Single Care, but basically it's like a drug card discount for um, throughout the country where you can use it to get discounts off your drugs. And they did a study earlier this year, and they found from 2022 that they there's been a 70% increase in prescribing Lexapro just in a year. 31% of Zoloft and um, 21% of Trazodone and 20% increase in Prozac just this year alone. So that's staggering, you know. That, that's really appalling to see. Do you think it has to do with, um, you know, the COVID that which you know yeah. everybody, you know, was yeah. stuck in their home, and 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 I'm not knocking the younger generation, but I am, um, and you know, we were kids growing up, and this is completely on a different subject, but we went outside and we played, and you played dodgeball, and you know, and mm-hmm. and everybody didn't win, and that was okay, but now. We are raising children that you can't play dodgeball because they might, you know, get hurt, or you can't choose teams because somebody else might get their feelings hurt. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a situation where we're in that children growing up to become adults cannot cope with anything. It's, you know, no, everything is no. drama to them, and they cannot cope with day-to-day life because they have to have Zoloft or Paxil or uh, whatever the other drug is, that they just can't cope with life. And right. that's a really sad thing to say about, you know, the, the people coming up in today's society. They just can't cope. No. Well, the big one I see with the younger population in my practice is they get placed on Adderall, which is a form of meth, by the way. And A form of um, what? Meth? Meth, yes. The street drug, meth. 
It's a, um, wow. it's a, yeah. And um, in fact, I think years, a few years back, Maria Shriver did a whole documentary on it. It was really interesting, but it's mess. And they like it because wow. it helps them control weight and it gives them all that energy to focus on getting things done. But the problem, what I have seen with that with my own clients is that they can't get off of it. They can't sleep. So then they start taking a smoking pot or, um, you know, here like gummy um, uh, marijuana. And so it becomes this really vicious cycle for them that they're trying to get off of it and they can't. And they can't just do life normally. And I don't know if you remember, we're about the same age, but, you know, there weren't very many kids growing up with ADD or ADHD. You know, there may have been one at the school that was on Ritalin. No kidding. And now well, it's because it's, we didn't label it. We didn't tag something right. like that. You know, you, right. I think you've always well, had you, children which are more hyper or, you know, busier than others. And, you know, so they go out and they play basketball or, you know, hide and seek or something. You don't give them drugs. No. And honestly, you know, it's just that's the go-to. And it's a go-to diagnosis now. But actually in Germany, um, when I was going through my social work program, we had this guy from Germany that worked in an aftercare school program, and what they were giving kids um, after school was coffee because they would get really amped up and then they would crash. And that's what the Adderall does. The Adderall just keeps you amped up long term. And so it's sad. It's it's just sad. It is. But it goes to show that the pharmaceutical companies are really – playing havoc on most of everyone in this country's health and all over the world. Big Pharma Mm -hmm. is is just horrible. But um, so I wanted to just kind of go through some of those side effects that these drugs do. Um, And they say they are temporary, but they're not totally temporary. Um, Headaches, drowsiness joint and muscle pain, nausea, diarrhea. The one that really stands out and what I see a lot in my practice is emotional numbing. I had one client tell me, she said, I just feel like a robot. I don't feel anything. And that to me is incredibly sad because if you aren't tapped into how you feel emotionally, you really can't make good judgments. You can't function. You can't function well in life if you don't know or have any kind of feeling whatsoever. Well, you're not living. You're not no. living. And no. you know what's interesting with that comment you just said, again, is that all of this goes through the liver, okay? Oh. And I find that organ being called the liver is about being alive. And so all of these meds, they end up damaging our livers to where we just aren't feeling alive. We can't function, you know. Um, right. The other one 
weight gain. There's, um, of course, loss of libido. Um, people, you know, they just can't enjoy sex anymore. And in children, also with SSRIs, um, it has been linked with suicide in children who are taking this stuff. So it's really sad. Yeah, um, and that's one that, and I've wanted to do a program on that um, to find somebody to talk about that, but the SSRIs are some of the um, supposedly, and I don't have facts on it, so I'm just kind of winging it, but it's my understanding that some of the um, mass murders that have happened, some of mm-hmm. those children have been on SSRIs, and it causes the agitation, and they just go berserk. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they don't even know why they harmed people or why they killed all these people. I have wanted to do a program on that, but I don't haven't found yeah. anybody to do that. And, well, and are you familiar with any of that? A little bit, but it goes back again to that emotional numbing because if you're not conscious, you're walking around like a robot. And mm-hmm. that on top of them being um, online playing games, video games all day, and what are you doing with video games? You're you're killing, killing people. people. Right. So you've got right. this really bad component of not feeling anything, and then you're programming your brain to do that all day long, that you become desensitized to that for sure. Yeah. It's it's really sad. And so it really makes you start thinking about all of these things in a whole different way, you know, when you start seeing what the side effects of these things are and how that just influences how we function in life, you know. So um, so another thing I was going to say, um, I mentioned the weight gain. And I, as I have been training, like, with the Society of Metabolic Syndrome, I just want to point this out, that um, in talking about the liver, um, they truly believe um, heart disease, diabetes, and dementia, they refer to it as diabetes 3. And they believe, and by the way, that society is run by doctors. It's not just a bunch of people. It's literal, literally evidence-based um, training in how to manage um, metabolic syndrome. And Which they, society is that now? It's called the Society of um, Metabolic uh, Disorder or Metabolic Syndrome. Okay. Yeah. And so they believe this, one thing, that all of these issues, the heart and diabetes and dementia, and they have a whole list of other ones as well, it all begins in the liver, all of it, the root cause is that your liver is being overworked um, with the consumption of too many carbs, and that includes grains and sugars and vegetables even. They, They are very big on limiting that. And what ends up happening is when that, when the liver is overtaxed, it cannot 
um, insulin ends up overworking, and that causes what's called insulin resistance, and that's how you end up getting diabetes. But um, Stanford did a study, and they found that if you were um, insulin resistant, and by the way, these doctors believe that 70% of the country is dealing with this issue, and it's not really being addressed. It's really big, and there's a lot of uh, political stuff involved in it, including pharma, including the processed food industry. Um, They have a huge influence on um, how the dietary guidelines have been developed in this country. Um, And I won't go into all of that, though. (laughs) That's a whole other day. But um, anyway, Stanford did a study and they found that if you were insulin resistant, you were double the risk of having major um, depressive disorder. That's, and that, again, that reflects back with that insulin resistance, how this is damaging to the liver. So what I want to embrace in that is that it's not just antidepressants, it's every single medication that you are swallowing has to go through the liver. And because they aren't natural to the body, it's going to cause um, like a cycle effect starting with, you know, probably in your 40s, you start getting a little bit of a waste. Then you start getting some GERD or GI ups or irritable bowel syndrome, and then it ends up, you start getting fatigued, and a lot of people go, oh, I'm just going through menopause. Oh, I'm just getting older. And then uh, what ends up happening after that is that they will put you, like, on stantons. And um, I just had a friend, actually, and it's so frustrating when you can see this pattern going on, um, she's about 70 years old, and she's had all of these issues, and I'm trying to explain it to her, but because I'm not a doctor, you know, she's taking at blind faith what the doctor says, but she did bring me her yes. lab, so they wanted her to start on a Stanton drug, and I looked at her lab work. And there was nothing at that point wrong with her heart, but her liver profile was off the chart. And so... Was she already taken statins at that time? No, I did tell her, don't do it. And, you know, I'm jumping here because I am going to talk about it, but I will go ahead and talk about statins and why not to take them. Um, It's really controversial that they help right now, and many doctors are finally coming around to it. They did a really massive study on uh, called a meta-analysis where they're taking study after study and reviewing how effective um, it is for um, mortality. And what they found is it, and some people, and not all of them, live a four, a, an additional four days Four days, that's it. By taking the meds? 
the collect um, the statin drug. Four yeah. days. Yeah. It that's it. But there's really once again there's many side effects with that. And in fact, Lipitor is the number one drug in this country. And so um, the side effects of that are muscle pain and weakness, which ends up causing uh, pain, uh, a weak heart, uh, GI issues, liver abnormalities, again. And most people, um, again, when, when they're starting to have heart issues, you know, it's not really the cholesterol that's causing it. It's actually how the liver is functioning and how insulin is not working right in the body. Um, It increases blood sugars, which is (laughs) what the problem is. Um, You know, what doctors are starting to say is the problem because if the blood sugars go up, that means that your insulin's getting overtaxed. So it's working against what's the root cause of the problem. And it has, it causes neurological problems. It causes um, memory loss and confusion again. And the thing is, a lot of people, we've been super convinced that, oh, it's our cholesterol that's um, causing a heart problem. But what they're starting to see, it's not the cholesterol. In fact, we have good cholesterol. Um, Dr. Georgia E. that I trained with said, you know, even the bad cholesterol, the LDL, is actually good for our brains. The, it, it gets reduced, like cholesterol, the LDL is the bad one. But they have different sizing of those particles, and not all LDL are bad for us. It's the super small ones, and what they're finding is that what's causing heart conditions is inflammation uh, in the body, and it it will that inflammation will tear up the veins and the blood vessels, and then those little tiny particles get lodged into the openings, and they create inflammation which is what is causing the blockages of the veins and blood vessels. It's not cholesterol. Uh, cholesterol is wow. like a, yeah, cholesterol is like a kind of a fatty substance. And, you know, if you think about like cars, for example, we need to oil our cars for the machinery to work properly. And so um, that's what cholesterol is in a way. It's kind of a oily fatty substance in the body that we need. And um, part of the problem is, and this is, I'm going to go off subject one more time. The problem is we have all been programmed um, since the uh, 70s to believe that we should be on a um, uh, low-fat diet with little protein, and plants, you know, vegetables. And so um, that what they're finding is that we do need really good fats in our diet. We need the protein, and we need 
little plants because all of those uh, carbs are what is causing the inflammation in the body, even plant carbs. So, um, so anyway, just changing your diet will um, help improve your liver, and you, there's no need for taking a statin drug. There's just too many side effects with it, um, you know. And it's the same with the beta blockers for hypertension. It causes um, angina and heart weakness and confusion. So that's another one that you just have to really kind of take a look at to see if you really need it or not. Well, doesn't so, it affect um, dementia also? Isn't is that one of the ones yeah. that could well, could actually yeah. lead to a person having dementia? Absolutely, all of these drugs that I'm talking about end up causing dementia, and because they all of those go through the liver again, and that's the thing. Just keeping it really simple, keeping in mind is that. Um, the liver is really the source of how well we function on so many levels. And so if you're damaging the liver, that's going to cause like a domino effect for all of these other things to show up um, as health problems. And sadly, what we say is, oh, they're just getting old. Oh, they're on the decline when there's really things that can be done and starting by reviewing your medications to see how effective they really are. If you're taking meds that are counteracting the other meds, especially if you're on at least five, and nine is like warning, danger, way, way too many. Um, And so I just, I see our time here, but I wanna just say really quickly um, insulins also and metformin and the new one, Ozempic, all of these things cause serious problems as well. And with the insulins, um, particularly the ones that you inject, um, they have found that there's a high risk of cardiovascular events. It's how the Beers uh, criteria says it. And the thing about insulin that's really ironic is that you have to eat more carbs because if you don't, you're going to go in um, and become hypoglycemic, and that can cause um, all kinds of problems. You know, you could pass out, fall, um, have uh, brain problems, but um, it causes heart attacks. It also increases your hunger which is really interesting. And prior to 1920, the way diabetes was actually treated was a low-carb diet of about 20 grams of carbs, 20 to 50 grams. And now it's recommended that people um, on insulin eat 150 grams. So so they change it. Yeah, well... It's kind of counterintuitive. Why would you, if carbs are the issue causing high blood sugar, why not just reduce the the grams of carbs, you know? 
And like I said with my mom, I really didn't tweak her diet. She was when people get older, they're kind of set in their ways, and chewing is an issue for older people as well. Right. But just simple, just simple things like one thing, like the diet soda. I got my mom off of that. That was a big one. And like we had chocolate every night, but we it was very limited. After that event, where she ate the whole pan of chocolate for breakfast. Yeah. Well, see if you eat dark you know. chocolate, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but um, they just did studies showing that there's high lead content with dark chocolate. So (laughs) you can't win something, right? You can't win white chocolate, right? Not chocolate at all, but very caloric. There you go. But I will admit, even in my own diet, there is white chocolate every night. There's something because I I'm a sugar addict, but I keep it for myself down to 20 grams, you know. Um, yeah. Well, I told you, when, today when we were talking, uh, you know, I eat a bagel with cream cheese and coffee with creamer every morning. I, I, yeah. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Yeah. Well, and I, Martha, I don't that, take any, I take no prescription drugs. I do take more yeah. than five vitamins. I, you mm-hmm. know, I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, yeah, but I'm lucky to well, be healthy. Right. And I will say this. If you're just doing supplements, um, I wouldn't worry as much. I think it's when you start mixing it with some of these other drugs that I've talked about tonight. Um, one I want to talk about real quick is metformin because a lot of people are on that. and We were talking about that for the elderly today. My mom uh, was very incontinent with stool while she was on metformin. And it's really easy to believe, oh, she's, it's her dementia causing it. No, it's the metformin. And 75% of people that take metformin have diarrhea issues. So um, that's, you know, that's one that, um, there's another supplement called berberine that you that is equivalent to that that will not cause the diarrhea. But once again, our go-to with the elderly is oh, they're just getting old, and again, and they're, they're not responsible for that. Yeah, no, it and so, it could be so, their medication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I want to um, – we only have a few minutes, so I, I want to um, wrap up. Um, you said there yeah. was another website you wanted to list. Yeah. So there is a website um, that anybody can go to. Um, it's actually run by CMS, and it's called Open Payment Payments with an S, data.com. Um, and then I have .gov. It may be a .gov. I've got a .cms.gov. Yeah, I think Open it's .openpaymentsdata.cms.gov. Let's just really quickly type it in and make sure and give in the right one. But what this is, you can search for your doctor or um, the um, oh, it's yeah, it's .cms.gov. Okay. Open payment data dot cms 
www.medicare.gov. And that's run by the Medicare program, I believe. But you can go there and type your doctor's name in and see if he's made money off of any pharmaceutical companies. And oh, that's research. a good thing to do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to comment that Elder Abuse Day is June the 15th, which is next Thursday. And what a great time to get up, get involved, speak up. And a couple of resources. Uh, there's an excellent book by Michelle Young Doers, a former hospice respiratory therapist, Killing for Profit, The Dark Side of Hospice. Halovoice.org is an excellent resource for people to look up. Mm-hmm. And um, Sarah's website, brainhealthcoaching.com. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I appreciate oh, We could have gone another half hour easy. Yes. Yeah, there, I was like, oh, I didn't get to talk about this. But it's okay. We, we covered quite a bit tonight. And I just, my key thing is I just want people not to make the assumption that people are old with dementia, that it could be their medications and their diet that's causing the issues for them. Right. And so do not, you know, we're not doctors, and we're not telling you no, do we, not go stop your medication oh, at this point. Talk to your doctor. That's, if you have There's any questions. One other, one other thing on that um, beers um, criteria, if you type that in, that lists out all the drugs not to take, they also have a link for providers as well as just people on resources for tapering off your meds. Do not just go off meds. That can be extremely dangerous. So, yeah. um I really recommend you looking at the um, Beers Criteria website. And talk to talk to your doctor, but do your own research. Knowledge is power. And Absolutely. that's kind of why we do these programs, to give you food for thought. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And to sure. all of our listeners, good night. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Marcia. Take care. Okay. And we're off. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye, Sarah. Thank you. Bye.